0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Bringing the Pain. In case you were not aware, my name is Cyrus Wayne, and I am coming to you, as always, right here from Radio Fairfax. And happy new year, happy new year, everybody. It's 2017. Yeah, we made it. And 2016 was something else. Uh, Good, bad. A lot of people seem to have not liked 2016. I was I was okay with it. Me personally, I I had a great year. Uh, did some great things. Make made some big moves. Uh, twenty seventeen. I hope for more of the same. That's all I know how to do is make moves, and that's what I continue to do in my personal, professional, and in this life. That's what, and I hope your twenty seventeen is off to a great start, and I hope continual goodness, if that is such a thing. Continues for you this year and as we go forward on to 2018 and so on and so forth. You can find me as always on Twitter and on Instagram, the whole social media thing at Cy, C Y underscore T H A great. And one of the things that gets to me all of the time is this whole new year, new me type thing that you see and hear people talk about in. Most of the time, it's the same people who talk about it, right? And lo and behold, they're never really new. They're the same, sometimes miserable, underachieving folk that they were the year before, as they were the year before, the year before. So I am going to make this promise to you. I'm not going to come out here and say the new year, knew me. I am going to be the same person that I was in 2016 going forward, because that has gotten me this far, so far, and to be honest... I like me. No, 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 no. I love me. All right? So I'm just going to get that out the way right now. And part of me being me and me liking me, me loving me, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I hate a lot of things. And I I can't really explain it. I just hate a lot of things. And last night on Monday night, I've had more reason to hate a lot of things. So that's going to be the theme of this first segment is things that Cyrus hated from Monday night. So as we know, Monday night was the national championship game of college football. One of the things I hate is just how college football is structured, but I'm not going to get into that surprisingly. Well, maybe not yet. We'll see. We'll see where this goes. We'll see how far down the hole I decide to go. But the biggest thing I hated was that Clemson defeated the Alabama Crimson Tide in the national championship game 35 31 on a play they scored on the literally with one second remaining. It wasn't at the last second, it was right before the last second. And there are a number of reasons I hated it. First and foremost, it was because Clemson won. Now, I have a special type of hatred for the Clemson Tigers. I do. Part of it is because my alma mater, NC State, is a, you could say, a rival of Clemson. We play them in football every year in what is unofficially, colloquially colloquially known as the Textiles Bowl. We play them a year, and every year we tend to lose. So how do y'all call this? So some of y'all are asking me, hey, Cyrus, how can you call this a rivalry? Well, we just do. That's just how we do. Uh, I'm not sure how you guys do it, but this is how this is how we do. We call it a rivalry. It's a rivalry. And it really started before I even stepped foot on campus. So when I arrived on campus at NC State, I arrived as an aerospace engineering major. And my senior year of high school, I took an engineering course, an introduction to engineering and technology course at my high school, in which said teacher was a graduate of Clemson University. And once all the acceptance letters were out and, you know, all the seniors in the class were making their college decisions, uh, he had it out for me ever since then. Of course, I passed the class because I'm just that daggone smart. But yeah, he had it out for me, you know, just these little jabs and oh, like how the Clemson Tigers are better than the NC State Wolfpack and all this other stuff. And since then, I've always had a feeling, just this terror, this i this hatred for Clemson University, and that only magnified during my time at NC State, going to the games. Having them come to like having them come in, watching the games there, those experiences, yeah, not not fun. And I, I know what y'all you think thinking right, Cyrus shouldn't you be happy that another ACC team won the national championship game? Your yeah, ACC pride, right? Hey, they did they did it for the ACC. That's all I saw on my timeline last night was yeah, ACC pride. That's how we do it. We we take care of this house and all this other stuff, right? Man, I I never believed in that mess. That's all it is. It's absolute mess. I don't believe in it. I hate it. I can't stand it. Let me tell you why. It's I equate it to your neighbor winning the lottery. And I'm not talking about 1 or 2 million because that doesn't get you as far as you. So I'm talking about a real life-changing amount of money. Say they hit the Mega Millions. I think it's at about four hundred million. I don't know what it is, where it is right now, but let's let's call it four hundred million dollars. They hit the lottery right now. You've known each other for quite some time. Have a, a friendly rivalry going on with your neighborhood decorations for Christmas, Halloween, whatever. But it, really, they're they're good people, right? They're nice. They're courteous. They don't do anything that gets on your nerves. They raise well-behaved kids. Your kids play with each other every once in a while. You guys invite each other for cookouts and for dinners, things of that nature. Then they hit the lottery. And then at first you're happy for them. And you go, wow, they're nice people. They deserve it. It's 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 all good. And then the reality of the situation hits you, that they get to move out of that neighborhood to a better neighborhood. They get the better house. They can take their kids to the better school. They get all the better vacations. They get to quit the jobs that they absolutely hate while you're still stuck in the miserable situation that you're in. That is exactly what it's like watching Clemson win the championship. And one of the other things that I hate, and again, I hate a lot of things, is the analysis of the game, right? Is... This whole idea of Clemson was the better team because they beat them head-to-head. No, 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 no. I still contend that Alabama is a better team than Clemson. It just so happens that Clemson was able to get away last night on an illegal pick play, by the way. That last play was illegal. I don't care what anyone says. That last play was illegal. Even Dabo Sweeney, I'll get to him later on. Admit it. Oh, yeah, that was a pick. Really? Really? that That's what it takes to beat Alabama is an illegal pig play. But really, Alabama screwed themselves over. That's what really made me angry that Alabama screwed themselves over by firing Lane Kiffin just a week before their biggest game of the season for Steve Sarkisian. Yeah, yeah, I remember I talked about him a little while ago. Where he was, the last time we saw Steve, he he was hung over at practice or, or something like, like that. And it's funny that Lane Kiffin gets replaced by Steve Sarkeesian twice over the course of about three or four years. That, that, that I don't, I'm not sure what that says about Lane. That you're replacing Lane with the guy, again, who was last seen drinking on the job. And clearly he was drinking on the job on Monday. Oh my goodness, that was the most pitiful play calling I had seen since one of the last times Alabama was in the national championship game against LSU, which which goes down as one of the worst championship games ever played. That play calling was absolutely mind-numbing. I mean, yes, I I understand you have a true freshman quarterback. I get that. You want to protect him. You want to put him in positions to succeed. I get that. But are you serious? Lane, well— he gets criticized a lot for two main reasons. One, he, sometimes he's mentally not always there. Yeah, he does a little cr- crazy things where he looks like he's a, a spaced out child sometimes where you, you look around and you go, oh, he, yeah, I, I, does he really know where he's at? Do you know what he's doing? Does he know what he's doing at all? Does he know there's a game going on? And he also gets criticized for being too cute with his play calling. But guess what? His cute play calling got them there to begin with. And, yes, some of you are going to hit me with the argument of they were playing inferior opponents, which, yeah, they they were because Alabama is that good of a team. But, really, you don't make that drastic of a change a week before you play the biggest game of the season, especially for Steve Sarkeesian. And I, I don't look. They say that there was it was mutual, and Lane had other priorities, which he did because he got the job at Florida Atlantic, all and all that other good stuff. And they said it was mutual, but I don't buy that for a second at all. I don't buy for a second that he just wasn't just straight up fired and was just which is just, just said, hey, go, just get away from here, get get away from here, get away from here, but. Oh, that irritated me. Another thing that irritated me was the analysis during the game, uh, especially after Deshaun Watson got you know hit early on. All the commentators were quickly saying, "Oh, he's rattled. The Alabama defense has him rattled. He's not the same. He's out of his mind." All this other stuff. Yeah, let me tell you something. He wasn't rattled in that fourth quarter, was he? Yeah, he was rattled to the tune of thirty-eight for fifty-six, four hundred twenty yards, three touchdowns, and passing touchdowns and one. Rushing touchdown. Oh, yeah, he was rattled. And how that narrative changes very quickly based on exactly what's going on. Again, results-based analysis. Another thing that I hate. Yeah, I'm going to be very negative this segment. Sorry, not sorry. Again, new year, new me. Not going to happen. I'm still the same old me. And another thing that I hate in the post-game analysis is this at this point, tired debate of is Nick Saban the greatest coach ever? Because that was one of the storylines coming in, right? You know, if Nick Saban wins, that's his sixth title. He's tied with, you know, the very revered uh, Paul Bear Bryant. And, you know, he can stake his claim as the best football coach ever, right? That was the storyline coming in. In Which, now that he lost, again, on on the last play of the game, and essentially the last play of the game, in a national in a national championship, which is this is the second year in a row that he's been, all of a sudden that conversation is going to be deferred till the next time he's in the same situation. You know how I know it's going to be deferred to the same to, to the next time he's he's in the same situation because it was the exact same conversation we had last year when they won, and all of a sudden on a play, which was illegal by the way, that happened on the last play of the game. We're now, set, we're now kind of deferring off that conversation of, oh, is he the best coach? As if he got worse over the result of one play. That, that irritates me so much. It, it goes back to how we view, say, Tom Brady. When you really look at it, when you look at Tom Brady... You know, he's like put up there as one of the best quarterbacks of all time because he has four Super Bowls, which ties him with Joe Montana and Terry Bradshaw. And we put him there because they won that last Super Bowl. Keep in mind, New England, in effect, won that game when Tom Brady was not even on the field. He was on the bench when the defense was up. So, on a play where he had absolutely nothing to do with the outcome, his entire legacy was decided. And we're doing that with Nick Saban. We are doing that with Nick Saban right now. His entire legacy, every time he's going to be in the national championship, it's going to be the question of is he the greatest or is he not. Folks, Either like he's a great coach, whether you like him or not. All right? And, again, this one result doesn't change it. Not at all. Another thing I hate what I kind of sort of hate this, this is lower on my priorities of hate here is how the ACC is being looked at. And I am, I'm kind of an ACC homer for the reasons I explained earlier. Again, neighbor winning the lottery, but the ACC has had this reputation for the longest time of being solely a football, sorry, a basketball conference, right? Everyone in college football looks their noses down in the NC state, a "Quote unquote Power Five conference," which it is, but I ran into this statistics uh, last night when they were they were talking about it, and I looked it up. It turns out to be true. The ACC was nine and three in bowl games this season. Meanwhile, the vaunted SEC was six and six. What I hate about this is that is a terrible way to rate conferences. Again, I talked about the absolute meaningless, meaninglessness of bowl games a few weeks ago. And all of a sudden, because the ACC won nine of their 12 bowl games, all of a sudden, they're oh, they're to be taken seriously. Yeah, because we won nine meaningless games. Woo! Well, well okay, correction. Seven meaningless games. Because Clemson had to win two to win the title. So, scratch that. Had to win seven meaningless games. All of a sudden, now the ACC is supposed to be taken seriously. Again, one of the many things that, that I hate, but I, I do. What the one thing I do take away is that the ACC is being more seriously looked at as a football conference. Anyway, few more, few more stats for the game. Uh, Jalen Hurts, which is a, a kid I sung his praises several weeks ago, and I still do. Uh, he didn't look good last night part of it i think the stage was a little bit big for him that defense was a little bit too fast for him and he's uh, like 18 years old he's a true freshman this t- last year he was this time last year he was on the scout team for Alabama as he came he's he came on the campus after graduating high school and uh, as i mentioned earlier in the show uh, his Offensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator, had a little something else in his Gatorade bottle because he didn't help him out at all. He did not help him out at all. Uh, so Jalen could uh, finish the game off with what he was thirteen. He was thirteen for thirty-one, one thirty-one yards, uh, the ones and threes. He loves them. Um, one passing touchdown with, on a blown on a blown coverage to OJ How, to Howard, who's. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a late first, early second round pick, I believe, and a rushing touchdown, which was at the time the go ahead touchdown at the time, and Alabama was hurt literally when Bo when Bo Scarborough, that you know that big bruising back they had, uh, when he went out with a broken l- a bone in his leg, uh, ouch. But the one things I do enjoy the the, the sick. Enjoyment that I did get out of this game had nothing to do with Clemson winning. It's about other people losing. Again, that's how I work. That's how I get down. It, the win and MGM resorts. Well, just this is just an example. Vegas took a hit. Vegas took a really big hit. A lot of money was flowing in for Bama, and woo, they Vegas got hit. The win and MGM reported six-figure losses at the result of last night's game. By the way, Bama was favored by 6 points. Needless is yeah, it, it, it came a point where you knew that they, they simply were not going to cover. Yeah. Go go for A. That, that's that's the business, right? So much for the house always wins. And fa- fa- the finally finally the big reason I hate Clemson winning, not just because they're Clemson because they're an ACC rival but because they are coached by Dabo Swinney. Uh, there are people in this world that you that you don't know personally. You don't know them personally, You they, like, where they may be legitimately the nicest people you know or the nicest people you'll ever meet if you actually get to know them, but you just know them through some public vehicle, whether it's television, radio, the internet, and you, you have just this opinion of them. And you just can't stand him. Shia LaBeouf is one of those guys. Is one of those people for me, and another one of those pe- people for me is Dabo Swinney. To me, again, I don't know the guy. He just seems absolutely fake, and by goodness, a huge hypocrite. Yes, I said it. Dabo Swinney is a hypocrite on a number of items. Two, two main things I'll I'll point out. Uh, first of all, when I, I talked. Colin Kaepernick earlier this season. Uh, when he was taking a stand, they asked Dabo about it. And Dabo was talking about how he felt that Colin shouldn't be using that platform, you know, to advance, you know, that agenda. It should be using his platform for something else. Meanwhile, Dabo uses his platform to advance his agenda. You know, he's a, you know, religious guy, spiritual guy, which I have absolutely no problem with. You have the platform. If you have it, you really should see it as your responsibility to use that platform as you see fit. Now the Dabo's problem was he didn't agree with Colin Kaepernick was saying or doing or what he was expressing. So that's why he's, that's why he goes, no, he shouldn't use the platform for that. Now if uh Colin was trying to like drive up, you know, Sunday school attendance, that will be all over it. You would be all over it. He would be all over it. And then the the thing that irks me now, you listen to me long enough, you know me long enough to know that I am a I would not be opposed to paying players. Especially players in a game like this where, again, you had a guy walk off with a broken leg. All right. Meanwhile, Dabo picks up one point four million dollars in bonuses this year. This year. For winning a championship, a total of $1.4 million in bonuses for winning a championship, and his players get a swag bag. Are you—I I want you to marinate that for a minute, okay? The guy on the sideline holding the clipboard in the headset with no real risk of, again, breaking his leg, gets $1.4 million, and his players get a couple of free meals in a swag bag. Are you, are you serious? Are you nuts? And what makes it worse? It's not, and he is one of the main people who wants this inequality to stay. And he was quoted in an interview a while back ago, uh, t- twenty fourteen, to me to be a matter of fact, to be precise. Uh, t- he says uh, uh, the, uh, the context is to set this up. The context was they were asking about payment of players, and he, he said he goes on and on, and then this is where it picks up. Quote, but as far as paying players professionalizing college athletics, that's where you lose me. I'll do something else because there's enough entitlement in the world as it is, end quote. Yeah, these 18 to 22-year-olds are sacrificing their bodies and potentially their futures for you to have the opportunity to make $1.4 million is entitlement. Shut up, Dabo. Shut up. Are you you have the nerve to call that entitlement. You had a kid, again, broke his leg in a football game so his coach could probably make that, if not more. And you're calling that entitlement and forget you. Got up next, a very quick recap of a horrible wildcard weekend. Look ahead and a couple of quick hits. Bring the pain, Cyrus Wayne, back after this break. Welcome back to bringing the Pain. This is Cyrus Wayne. And I, I, well, I, mean, I will tell you something. Y- yes, I'm fired. I was fired up about that. I, I was. There's, there are a number of things I feel that passionately about. And again, when someone such as Adabo Sweeney comes around and just says this just nonchalantly and just go, go, goes about it, understand, I, I understand how, it, how everything works. I get that. And he knows how everything works, too. But to simply just... Dismiss any idea of what I I feel to be a fair like fair compensation, not entitlement. Fair compensation it just absolutely annoys me. I, I, again, I I consider him fake. I I'm not a fan, and that was one. The, yes, I will take Nick Saban over Dabo any day of the week. Not just a, as a coach, because I believe Saban is a lot better coach than Dabo. And some people don't like Nick Saban as a person, but at least with Nick Saban, he doesn't BS you. You know what you get with him. And that, like, it is what it's going to be. And everyone goes on. And even then, he was spitting, like, Nick Saban was spitting absolute truth when they talked about um, Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette not playing in these meaningless bowl games, which I've talked about ad nauseum. So I'm um, at this point, I'm taking this time just to move on. So the more football, the NFL playoffs were this started this past weekend. And just as I thought, all of these games were absolutely terrible. Just bad matchups all around. Not really good football being played. Except for just a handful of teams, even the teams that won, some of the football just wasn't good. Uh, bi- the biggest example was the te- the Houston Oakland game. Now, I-, I can't tell you personally how bad that game was because I didn't watch a single second of it, and I have absolutely no regrets at all because I was not going to waste three and a half hours on a Saturday watching a game that I knew was going to be bad. Now, I had you know my you know my um, sports alerts on my phone going going so I, I was keeping track of it that way but I did, and also saw some highlights and Connor Cook played like a rookie making his first start as a NFL quarterback in a playoff game he did not look good but no one really anticipated that he would meanwhile Brock Osweiler didn't really look that much better either and the story of the game was the play of Jadavion Clowney which I I find the headlines of how the media is covering Clowney absolutely hilarious. They're saying, "Oh, he's finally you know getting it together," and you know this is what he's he's has been waiting for. This is why he was a like first pick, and again, just like he's finally arrived. And I'm thinking, Ain't he like 22 or 23, he's still very young, and we're going this. Finally, you know he's getting it. Yes, of course he's finally getting because he's young, and I, one of the, I, again, I'm going. I'm sorry, I'm going into more hate mode again. One of the things I hate that we do it like that we do in professional athletics is forget exactly who we are talking about. For the most part, these are still young men, like both on and off the field. Okay, so this idea of the, these kids if if they finish even even if they finish the, uh, their schooling their college that they're going to come out as these mature products just are you serious because you you look at you know guys like russell wilson and Dak prescott and, and think that you know they're the you know they're the they're the standard right that they you know, they all come out with like this. No, 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 no. They're still young. They're still figuring stuff out. Again, on and off the field. So the fact that Jadavion Clowney is starting to play like he's a first overall pick, that should be normal. There's not too many guys that really come out straight away right out of right after college, especially after they spend their first season you know, hurt. The first couple of seasons injured, actually, and just completely tear it up. No, it takes time. They need to learn. And you would think with NFL coaches, you know, their shelf life being shorter and shorter at one particular job, that they would take the time to say, you know what, I'm going to go with someone a little bit more experienced. I don't really have the job security and time to wait for these young guys to develop that they would stay away from. them. No, they doubled down on them. And which is, which is counterintuitive. But that's how they do it. It makes absolutely no sense to me. But that, when I saw that headline, I said, Are, are you kidding me? Are, are you kidding me? And speaking of headlines that irritated me, now, as much as much as I hate it, as a diehard Cowboys fan, as much as I hate the New York Giants, this whole idea of the wide receivers going down to Miami on Monday and partied on a boat had anything to do with the Giants being housed by the Packers is absolutely insane. And they'll quickly go to, oh, Odell dropped a couple of passes, Sterling Shepard dropped a couple of passes, and yeah, they talk about those as if a, if, if they were in a monastery that they wouldn't be dropping passes because receivers drop passes, Jerry Rice dropped passes. I know that's blasphemous for some, for some folks out there, but yes, Jerry Rice dropped passes like Michael Jordan missed shots. It happens. It's part of the game. And oh, by the way, the, the Giants receivers being on the boat had absolutely nothing to do with Eli missing on a number of crucial throws. By the way, and some of these drops by, by the are, are not routine plays. They are athletic plays that you're so used to these guys because they're so frequently athletic making that they just seem routine to them, but they're anything but routine. I, I just want to point, I just want to point that out. And frankly, the way Aaron Rodgers was playing, it didn't matter if they were holed up in the practice facility, studying the playbook, looking at, looking at film, catching on the Jux machine. It really wouldn't have mattered because those receivers do not play defense. And frankly, that defense did not even play defense. Oh, my God. That first half was good. The the first half of that game was the best football that entire weekend. And then the second half went just as bad as the other three games that we had over the course of the weekend. But anyway, which... All that sets up, I'm not even going to go in-depth in them because, again, there's there's no point to uh, Seattle beat beat uh, Detroit just like everyone thought they would. All, all the favorites won, all the favorites covered, N- nothing really exciting to talk about. Uh, so, which sets up the table for this weekend, the divisional round weekend. Seattle, Atlanta, Green Bay, Dallas, Houston, New England, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, which on paper are better matchups with the exception of that Houston, New England thing, which is just all that it's going to be is a public execution, and as you would imagine, a game that I will not be watching. Unless I, you know, I check my phone and it actually seems relatively close, I may take a peek, but I'm not. I don't really care to watch that. So the key to the games are, are going to be this: Seattle's secondary versus Atlanta's offense. Because one of the interesting things I found out because I don't watch Seattle a lot, but I was very interested to find out that they signed Devin Hester as their return guy, and I'm thinking, oh, that's a very interesting pickup. I didn't, and it w- it doesn't really mean anything unless he learned how to play safety when he was gone, which I don't think so. And they still and that defense is still missing Earl Thomas back there. With Earl Thomas, that defense is as, as exposed as anyone has ever seen them since that group has come together. And that's going to be to the key. To, that's going to be the key to the game. I, I don't pick NFL games. I just like talking about them. So who knows who's going to win that one? Don't really care. Uh, with Green Bay and Dallas, that game is going to be interesting. And here's why: you look at that matchup on paper, and we, we've seen it all all season. We've seen this all season. The only advantage Green Bay has versus Dallas in that matchup is at the quarterback position. If you line up position by position and break everything down. Dallas has the better running back. They have the better offensive line. They slightly have a better defensive line than Green Bay does because Green Bay they, they don't have they're not quite sure what to do there. Their linebackers it it's a, it's a wash. Secondary not absolutely better. Only again marginally better than Green Bay's secondary. But the only advantage they have is at the quarterback position because yes, Aaron Rodgers is a lot better than Dak Prescott is. And anyone who is picking Green Bay to win, or the only reason Green Bay has a chance to win, if you really look at it, is because Aaron Rodgers is at quarterback. As anyone who has Green Bay favorited in that game, their answer is going to be Aaron Rodgers, and that is true. So, if Aaron Rodgers is neutralized, especially if Joey Nelson's not going to be able to play because he just got gored in that, in that game when they were at the Giants, but if Aaron Rodgers doesn't carry Green Bay in that game... They're, they're not going to win, plain and simple. That, that's all the analysis I got for you folks in, in that game is if Aaron Rodgers doesn't carry, they're not going to go far. Uh, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, the key is going to be Ben Roethlisberger. He left the game in a boot. Why he was in the game l- later on, I don't know. I, I guess that's one of the reasons why people are questioning Mike Tomlin as a great coach, such as Terry Bradshaw, even though he's what he is the most overrated average quarterback in the history of Of the NFL. And yeah, Houston's just going to, I mean, Houston's just not going to beat New England. I don't care what anyone says. Anyway, so it's setting up to be an exciting weekend in football as we march closer to Super Bowl 51. Coming up next, a number of quick hits. And another reason I wasn't really happy over the course of this weekend. Bringing the pain, Cyrus Wayne, back after this. Welcome back to Bring the Pain. This is Cyrus Wayne. The number to the studio is 703-560-8255. Once again, that's 703-560-8255. And if you're joining me for the first time, understand if you call that number right now, chances are you're not going to reach me. I will let you know at some point in the future where I'll be available on that line, but today you just ain't gonna reach me. The best way to reach me is on Twitter and on Instagram at Cy underscore the great. That is C Y underscore T H A G R E A T. Okay. Now that we got, we got that out the way, a uh, couple of quick hits, a few interesting stories after a football, one of the last real football heavy weekends we're going to have this season. So a couple of quick hits outside of football. Well, two outside of football, one's in football. I, continue (laughs) fifa you know you know the the soccer folks yeah yeah i'm talking soccer here hey i like soccer it's my show i get to i get to talk about soccer they're expanding the in 2026 they're expanding the field of the world cup currently it is at 32 teams they announced today on tuesday you're hearing this on thursday or friday but on tuesday they announced that they are expanding the field from 32 to 48 teams, which initially I thought that, that oh my god, that's a terrible idea. That is absolutely insane. You're just gonna re- you again you're rewarding bad teams. I hate any system that continues to award bad teams. That's one of the reasons I don't like the NCAA tournament because it is way too large. A lot of a lot of the teams that are in there shouldn't really be in there. I, uh, well, that's one of the reasons I hate the bowl system because you reward too many bad teams and and expanding from 32 to 48. Sure. You get, you know, countries like Malta or, you know, those other small countries, little countries that could, yeah, they, they get in, but it really devalues the field of international competition, especially in a tournament like that. One of the more prestigious tournaments on the planet, literally. So I, when I heard it, I initially thought it was an idea, a terrible idea. Then I, you know, listened to them as they made made the pitch. So the, the, here's how, here's how they're going to do this. Here's how it's going to work. There's going to be instead of the, their current uh, situation right now, where they have eight groups of four teams, they're going to move it to sixteen groups of three teams. Okay, then, so and then like they're going to take the top and they're going to take the top two in each group. It move them to a round of 32, which and then becomes a single elimination tournament at that time. What this, what this format allows them to do is, it's the same number of days. So the world, so the world cup lasts over the course of 32 days, a month and some change, whoever wins the world cup will have to play seven games, which it under both the old and new system that will stay exactly the same. So, and they play over across twelve different stadiums. That will also stay the same. So the only thing you're changing is the amount of teams in the field. Everything else logistically, on paper, is the same. And I'm sitting there, think, I'm listening to them, and I go, "Wow, this is still a very bad idea," for all the reasons I mentioned before. You're you're watering down. You're watering down the field. What you're gonna What you're gonna happen is by allowing these little winking teams in. It's the same thing you do when you expand the NCAA tournament field. You get more bad games because there are teams who cannot compete on that level trying to compete on that level. And, yes, every year, just like we do in the NCAA tournament, where you have this Cinderella, this no-name mid-major just kind of come out of nowhere, most of them are gone the very first day. And and not only are they gone – They are completely wiped out, eliminated, destroyed. Nobody remembers who or what they are or they were even in there. All right. So you're just going to get a lot more bad games. And it goes into this whole idea of, you know, the trophy generation mentality, right? Where you just let just start letting anybody in and that is a huge jump from 32 to 48 teams. Just absolutely terrible. And when I look more into the deal, it started to make sense only for FIFA. They're projected to make a billion dollars more. And the money comes from sponsorships, broadcasting the games, and ticket sales, which is the only reason why they're doing that. And, of course, they're pitching it as we're giving more countries the opportunity to compete at that level, to really grow the game, blah, 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 blah. The same thing that they do every every time when college football, like said, we're going to go to a playoff so we have more competitive teams. No, you're not. You're doing it to collect more money, which is fine. If, if you want to get more money, you want to capitalize on any type of commodity you have, go for it. Just don't try to lie to me while you're doing it. All right? All right. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And, yes, I know there is a component to – the, the, Western, the Western world, especially in soccer, like soccer fans are just like are just like baseball fans. They're, they're very conservative in the fact that they don't like change and, and they they hate change. They repulse at it. Just, no, no, no. We, we, we like our thing and we like it this way because there were the same oppositions when they expanded uh, the field to 32 teams because it wasn't always 32 teams. Spoiler alert for those of you who were just starting now following along with this whole soccer thing. But, this is really excessive. It it really is. Next quick hit. Uh, Doug Marone has got a job again. The 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 first seat in the musical chairs that is nfl head coaching is that's how we're going to call it so if we call the coaching carousel you know as everyone's getting off are we calling it the carousel as they start getting back on as they start filling these jobs i don't know anyway the first head coach of the coast the first head coaching vacancy has been filled by doug morone for the jacksonville jaguars Doug Marone, who is most famous for being replaced by Rex Ryan up in Buffalo after two seasons. Yes, that Doug Marone posted a 16 and 18 record overall in his career. So Jacksonville, to turn their losing kind of ways around, they're going to hire a head coach with a losing career record. Now, it is fair to mention, for those of you who are not familiar, that Doug Barone has, was the interim head coach of Jacksonville after they fired uh, Gus Bradley, and he went one and one which I still contend now, that one win, I don't know what happened, but yes, they are still a bad team. Yeah, they won a game, but they're still bad. And it's just one of those things where I wonder, how do these how do these guys keep getting jobs? I mean, you've shown your incompetence somewhere, and all of a sudden you're just going to turn around. Now, there are clear exceptions, right? There's clear exceptions. Uh, the two biggest ones I can think of are Bill Belichick. He, he wasn't always, you know, uh, you know, the coach of the Patriots, winning Super Bowls and doing all this stuff with Tom Brady and going to the Hall of Fame one day. He wasn't always doing that. He was at one time the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. And for about two days he was the head coach of the Jets. True story. He wasn't always like that. And so, yeah, you give guys another chance. But, again, these jobs came after years of being put on the shelf. Um, To me, Doug Marone has not proven himself. Pete Carroll, another example, where he was the head coach of the New England Patriots when they weren't really good. And part of the reason they weren't good because he was their head coach. Went to USC, found success, and has revitalized his NFL coaching career in Seattle. Those, ladies and gentlemen, are outliers that is not the rule they are the exception uh, more of the stories i don't think um Doug Marone is going to do any good in this position especially if they still have Blake Bortles as their quarterback and i still contend that if any team were to move to los angeles even though i'm not they're not going to it should be jacksonville because really there is nothing else in jacksonville they just need to just pack up and move out west or or las vegas now since that's probably gonna be since that's probably gonna be the home of Oakland now. Just go ahead, and just move them out west. Oh, and, and by the way, Tom Coughlin is the, is now a VP of God knows what. Well, last quick hit, uh, Ronnie. So Ronda Rousey had a very tough new had a very 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 uh, tough New Year's Eve for yeah. She got knocked out by Amanda Nunes in a move that I particularly didn't see coming. Now I knew Amanda Nunes was a bad girl. I knew that. But I thought Ronda Rousey, after, you know, getting completely dusted by Holly Holm, that she was going to come back refreshed and had learned some new tricks. And she was going to be ready to reassert her dominance back on top of the women's UFC division. Eh, Not quite. So she was knocked out in about 45 seconds or was it 41. Anyway, the fight didn't last long. It made me glad I didn't pay for it. I didn't watch it all. The fight was if Vine was still around, you could have like really put it on a Vine. It was that short. It was that bad. And the reason I point this out was not to just poke fun at Ronda Rousey because now that is what everyone's doing because now it's cool. Because at this point last year, a little bit before this point last year, she was the most, uh, quote, the most unstoppable thing out there. But now she's just kind of another fighter. Right. And it's because she did the she didn't do the one thing that all the greats in any particular athletic endeavor or any type of endeavor do. And that is adapt. She has a judo background and like that is her strength. She does judo. She like once you get in close, she gets a hold of you and doesn't let you go. That is her strength as a fighter. And she never learned how to box. Last time I checked, this is mixed martial arts. Boxing is a part of it. And that's what did her in against Holly Holm. She like she was at a distance, and Holly Holm just kept bah, 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 Just kept tapping her. Just just kept tapping her right in the head. Amanda Nudez did the exact same thing, except these were not taps. <laughs> these were taps. And oh my goodness, that that was just brutal to watch. And some of y'all had way too much fun watching that game, watching that uh, fight. I, I'll just tell you now, but. Why this is huge is because this shows you what happens when the hype machine is well is well oiled and runs to perfection. You have a very market. It's now she's still a good fighter. You have a skilled fighter and a marketable fighter. Keyword marketable fighter. And you have a promoter. Who both did their jobs to perfection. They created a product. They created demand. They brought eyeballs to a sport, to a division in a sport that no one would have other would have otherwise cared about. That was her value. And I'm I'm not going to completely take away credit from her because she did have six title defenses in during her reign, which much to her credit is is good. But with two with two straight losses, she is not the draw that she used to be. Plain plain and simple. And in a world where. We always look for that next hero. She was very easy to make that that hero, that vision of female empowerment, which which is good because we we all like no, no matter the like, kind of where we are in our lives, what kind of demographic we fall under, we all really need someone to look look to and say, hey, we th- we could do that, we could do that. And for the for the longest time during that run, Ronda Rousey was it. Um, she's probably not going to be anymore, but it was a nice run while it lasted. So what's she going to do next? Uh, World Wrestling Entertainment, you know, that room has been floating around for years. Uh, it worked well for Brock Lesnar after he lost a couple of fights. You know, he went crawling back to wrestling and is now making a lot of money doing very little work, except losing to Goldberg. But regardless, uh, well, that'll probably be your best bet because as a legitimate fighter, as a shoot fighter, as in wrestling, that's how they call they call it a shoot, is she lost a lot of drawing power, which as a fighter, that is your only leverage as a fighter, is not just your skill, but can you draw? Can you get people, can you get eyes on your product? And Rod, Rod, Rod Rousey cannot do that as much anymore. Coming up after this very quick break, one other thing from the weekend before, before, I, before, I, let, before I let you go. Bring the pain. This is Iris Wayne. Back after this short break. Welcome back to Bring the Pain. This is Cyrus Wayne. So it's been a while since I've t- t- talked to all of you. Uh, just enjoying the not only the Christmas holiday, but bringing in the new year. Again, new year, fresh start for everything. So I'm doing over the next several weeks, I'm, pro- I'm going to see, I'm going to try. I'm not going to promise anything. I'm going to try to tinker with the show a little bit. Uh, just to see how things work. We can experiment with a couple of formats, perhaps. It may remain the same, but who knows, right? It's going to be a crapshoot. And because as much as I like being me, I do embrace improvement in processes, pers- not really quite personality, in personalities and how we approach things. So m- more to come, later. if you have any ideas, please reach out to me at on Twitter or Instagram at Cy underscore the great TJ. Great. We'll love to hear from you. Any great ideas you have, please forward to me. Now, the one last thing from this weekend that I couldn't stand was a game that was supposed to take place on Saturday. It was supposed to distract me from a bad NFL playoff game that I was supposed to watch. It is the, for me, one of the most anticipated games of the entire calendar year, and that is in the sport of college basketball, my alma mater, my North Carolina State Wolfpack, playing against my old man's alma mater, the University of North Carolina, at Cheetah Hill, at Cheetah Hill, in. In basketball, The game was supposed to take place on Saturday, but if you're on the East Coast, you know there was um, some weather stuff going on. So they postponed the game even though both teams were able to make it. There was concerns about fan safety, yada, yada, yada. So they moved the game to Sunday. So I'm like, great. This could distract me from some more bad football until the real good football game was, was on. Uh, well, again, that was the thought that I had at the time. So we get to this we get to this game. This is the the first time in a while that I looked at our I looked at our team. We have a fresh we have an incredible freshman Dennis Smith who was playing lights out up into that point saying, "Wow, we have a good team. We have a shot to win this game." And then they actually played the game. And I, no kidding, it was over in not even a minute and a half. It was around the time the Ronda Rousey fight was over where they were knocked out, About 40, where she was knocked out when there's 45 seconds, about 45 seconds into the Carolina State game, you, you knew it was going to be bad. And as a fan, as a graduate, as a support of the program, that was not fun for me to watch. Not only do, did we lose, not only did, were we embarrassed, not only did they practically double up our score, I'm not even going to say what the score was. Not even all of that. Not the fact that we lose to one of our chief rivals, Carolina. But the fact that then I have to speak to my old man who, again, attended that school. That was painful on every level anybody can possibly imagine and that was how my sports weekend ended but at least chelsea, the chelsea football club was able to get a dub on their way advancing through the fa cup tournament so that was really the only positive i had anyway uh that is it for this week uh catch me next week same bat time same bat channel different format i don't know maybe the same we'll see what, what will happen uh this is the pain. This is Cyrus Rain. How about them Cowboys? Back next week.